I'm going to speak a sermon that I spoke a few years back, and God places upon my heart. We're dealing with the theme of of death, and many times people hear that word and they get they turn their ears like, "Oh, death! Oh my God!" But I preached at the funeral with, with uh, David Bautista. There was about 800 people there, probably almost 900. My dad's funeral had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people as well. The gravesite was just people were waiting for us. We had a huge, huge, uh, 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 you know, the, 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 grave, the, the, the graveyard is right on Santa Paula Street. The church is on Santa Paula Street. So, you know, I was getting ready to get in the car and I looked. And in the hearse, there was a, a you know, the, the guy was driving. So I said, I'm going to get in and I'm going to cruise with my dad one last time. You know, we went down, and it's a beautiful street, Santa Paula Street. Some of you that went, I mean, isn't that a beautiful street? I know that's a, it's trees just, they, they, they like intermingle. They give shade. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful street. And I was tripping, like, wow, I get to cruise with my dad one last time. And when we got there, there was a lot of people, hundreds, coming in the cars. When we get there, there's hundreds of people waiting. And we're already there at the graveside. And so, uh, 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 you know, and I mentioned the fact that our job is to prepare you for life, but also for death. Death has no sting, and we need to, we need to understand that. And so we're going to study from God's Word here. And the sermon, again, sometimes I preach sermons that I've preached before, not too often, maybe 1% of the time, 2% pops. But sometimes I just sneak them in and I don't tell you. Uh, I just change the title. But not this one, not this one. And I was sitting there saying, God, why do you want this? I, but then I was thinking about, you know when you've had a real good meal? Don't you remember when you've been to Bancheros? Doesn't want to make you go back again. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Or la piñata. Or, you know, my wife's cooking. Hallelujah. Uh, I mean, you just savor it. Well, this is going to be that meal again. <clears throat> it's called the sermon I, I entitled King of the Road. But as I was reading this sermon and I was preparing, because I used a little bit of it at, at uh, my dad's funeral, I said, I, I got to speak this. This is too, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of material here. And you need to have it. Those of you that are new, you're going to say, wow, all right. Because you need to be prepared. But those of you that have heard it before, there's too many morsels in this thing for you not to say, that was another good meal. Uh, so I want you to leave here spiritually burping. Hallelujah. But this is meat. This is meat here. And, and, and you know, God's going to prepare us for life, but also for death. Isaiah 49. Verse 23 says, Kings will be your foster fathers. They're going to take you in. And their queens, your nursing mothers. They, these kings and queens, they're going to bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Father, I pray for kings and queens to bow down at our feet and lick the dust. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> King of the road. Now, Isaiah, we have our scriptures found in Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. I'm going to give you the church out of darkness. That's the sermon I'm going to be preaching on the 20th. I was supposed to preach it last Sunday, but of course, I had to go to my dad's funeral. And I had intended for them to maybe do it on Monday and Tuesday. So I was going to fly back and preach it here on Sunday morning. I told everybody, don't miss church, because that's going to be the most, one of the most important sermons, if not the most important sermon you will ever hear, and I guarantee you, especially when it comes to money and finances. But I'm, I, I'm not going to... I didn't speak it then. So I'm saving it for the whole regional United service that we're going to be having in Vallejo. Again, don't miss. I'm going to be speaking on Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. Treasures out of darkness, riches hidden in secret places. And how God's going to give it to us. Because God's going to drop them on our lap. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the title of that sermon is, Are There Mustaches in Victory Outreach? 
I saw your picture the other day. You graduated with a mustache. So I know you can grow it. Hallelujah. George, George, hallelujah. Are there mustaches in Victory Outreach? And that's a, that's a catchy title because you'll, you'll see. It doesn't seem like to be one of those. But you'll see at the end of the sermon because I'm going to come from left field with that. Okay, so that'll be on the 20th. So tell everybody, on the 20th, you got to be there. Go to uh, Vallejo, uh, you know, and, and, and that'll probably be the last sermon that I'll officially preach as the regional comes. We have an original now. Jose's going to be there. Okay, but anyways, Isaiah always has a powerful way with words. He, this guy was an orator. He was an actor. He, he had a vivid uh, imagination. And so much within there, he, he, he has ways of turning swords into plowshares. He, can, he, he turns spears into pruning hooks. And he says, and war no more in, in, in one of the uh, uh, chapters there in Isaiah. No, but he takes like a switchblade and turns it into a, you know, a, 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 a pruning hook. He turns, you know, he, he turns all these different things into spears. He, he turns them into plowshares. In other words, weapons of war become weapons or tools for the good. That's what he does. And here in chapter 49, he has kings taking off their royal robes and putting on the apron of a servant. That's vivid. That's, that's something else. That, that makes me think. Today's sermon, please stay with me. Okay, because this is what Isaiah was bringing out. He had queens taking off their, royal, their, their, their crown and putting on a nurse's hat. That's what he's telling us. He says, one day these kings are going to take off the royal robes and put on an apron. Queens are going to take off their crowns <coughs> and put on a nursing hat. See, the king and the queen are to lay aside their royalty and put on humility. Are you with me? That's what he's talking about. And trust me, again, if there's ever a sermon you've ever heard, this one, listen to this one. Okay? Are you with me so far? He's taking off, they're taking off the royalty and putting on humility. That's what he's symbolizing here. Isaiah is saying that the oppressive power of tyranny is to be turned and transformed and transformed into servanthood. In other words, tyranny will become servanthood. That's what he's talking about. Now, Isaiah is speaking of Israel and to Israel, <coughs> his, his people, the Jewish people. And currently, they were under Babylonian captivity. Isaiah 45, when I preach in a couple of weeks, I want to be talking about the Babylonian captivity. Okay, they're in bondage during this time here in Isaiah 49. The Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar has come and they've taken them all bondage. They're under the tyrannic rule of a king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and his queen. But he's saying it's not going to be like that all the time. Things are going to, be cha things are going to change. You ever been in bondage? Uh, when I spoke parts of the sermon at my dad's graveside funeral, I talked about King Nebuchadnezzar. And I could say it with empathy there. And everybody, and that, there was hundreds of people there, they knew the rule before of King Heroin. I said, but they don't rule me no more. Kiss my feet. Little powder. Don't bother me no more. Ah. See, a lot of us have been there. Whenever a people are taken into captivity, the opposing king is always the symbol of bondage. They have conquered us. King Heroin conquered me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was a, it had me under tyrannical rule. That's what always happens when a king takes over. For the people automatically come under his rule, his domain, his authority, this new king. 
That's the kind of way Hitler would have been if he would have conquered the world. He would have been very, very tyrannical. Thank God he didn't. But that's what it would have happened. Okay? In trying to conquer the world. He would have been a terrible tyrant. But people, and especially the Jewish people, who were in exile under Babylonian bondage, they totally disliked the power of kings and queens. They didn't like kings and queens. And God had told them before, you want a king? I'll give you a king. Um, and they said, no, we'll take one. And now they didn't like kings. Because to them, they would have conquered people and they despised them. To the Jewish people, the Israelites, kings meant invasion. They meant slavery. They meant captivity. It meant homelessness, exile, and pain. It meant no freedom. So they didn't identify too good with kings. They hated kings, if you will. But then a prophet rises up, the Bible says, with a powerful, powerful, piercing message of hope. Isaiah has plenty of insight and foresight. He's got a lot of vision. Okay? He sees the light at the end of the tunnel. He says, you might be in the bondage right now, but someday. Uh, but someday. I like the church of God, Christ preaches, but someday. I mean, it's Friday. But someday. Sunday's coming. Uh, I mean, he might have been buried, but someday. And it can happen. There's a light. There's hope that Isaiah pens and brings out. He and he's a prophet. He begins to tell his people that someday... This bondage will soon be over. And that restoration and return to the Palestine homeland will soon come to pass. It's going to happen. But you got to keep hope alive. See, Isaiah sees a day of restoration. <clears throat> the roads of affliction are to turn into highways of joy and laughter. That's what he said. Plowshares into pruning hooks. Swords into spear. You know, in, in, into good stuff. He sees the, the road breaking down the line. The are going to become straight. Then finally, finally he says, kings and queens are to become your servants. I mean, that's hope. Is there ever was And with that same imagery and description that Isaiah is talking about, chapter 39 of Isaiah, that very same thing still can happen today to all of us who have been born again. If you've been born again, then you've got privileges. If you've been born again, you can use these things as tools for your good, for your benefit. They don't have to use you. And that's good news. That's gospel. See, the very same things that, that happened and went on in the roads of Babylon back in those days still happen with you and I. As we travel spiritually on our own Calvary Road, within our own modern life here today. See, there's kingly and there's oppressing vices that come and put their vice grips on our own lives as well. You know, vices. What do you think they call them vices? A vice grip that has you locked in. Some of you know what I'm talking about, especially the men's home and the women's home. We know those vices that had us. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Lie! The devil will propagate that. He'll try and push it. You can't make it. There's no hope. All that stuff. Lies from the enemy. Uh, but he's going to do that. Things that come and try to bring us into bondage and captivity and place us under their helpless and hopeless as slaves. But the moment and the minute we get saved, see, these former tyrants, these kings of the road, if you will, become our servants and our nursing mothers. These kings become our servants. Thus, we become truly set free. 
And those same kings who used to rule and control us, they now can and should become our very own servants. So kiss our feet. Let me give you a very quick illustration of this. And I've mentioned this before. It's found in nature. Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls before, you know, it, it used to run rampant. If anything gets in its way, it's over. Uh, Houdini included. Anybody mess with Niagara Falls, you can't do that. Uh, I mean, it's a mighty tyrant. It's a huge ruler. That's nature. But one day, science figured out how to use Niagara Falls. And now it's like a new work. Hallelujah. The man Niagara has never come out of the It turns out rather than the weeks coming out. We've got to think like that. We're more than conquerors. Ah, we don't do it in Hagabellus. It has become, you know, our, our nursing mother. It's bowed down before us. Now, with all that, I now want us to bring the sermon to down home where we live. Down our road, down our Calvary road, where each and every one must travel every day. The road that you and I must travel. Okay? There are other kings, other tyrants in our lives. Other kings and other queens who want to rule us and drive us and knock us around. They want to chain us and entangle us and crush the very life from us. These queens and these kings in our lives. But the gospel of Christ, it called for the very kings to become our servants. We are supposed to use them, not them us. All habits become our tools. All our vices become our stepping stones. We are to eat hunting from the carcass of the lion. I think it's in one of his books. He's going to eat. We're going to get the lion, and we're going to eat the honey from the very carcass. And the lion's going to be king of the jungle. Shut up, I'm hungry. Come here, honey. Ah, honey. Could have used that with a duck box, you know what I That's what I said. I think it's very, very, what a dude. The guy's got a mind. I'm going to make Hitchcock and Ross Sterling look at Cubs Read Isaiah. You want some heavy stuff? Man. Ah. He's saying this king ain't no king. It's dinner. Ah. It's sweet stuff. See, what kingdom I referring to? I'm talking about. That once had us bound. We were servants to it. But they're coming to serve us now. The first king, and I mentioned before, is King Pain. Pain. This king has quite a very big and very vast domain. It enters everything. This king turns hospitals into palaces. Are you with me? You walk into a hospital and King Pain is there acting bad. It turns a hospital into a palace. I'm reigning here. I rule here, me and my queen. Uh, look at what I've done over here. Look at all these people I got on pills. Look what I'm doing over here. They, they all need injections. They all need of every house. King Payne rules wherever you hear a cry or a moan. Ah, oh my God. It's like that lady that I talked about before, the one that said, Doctor, Doctor, but it hurts. Doctor, it hurts everywhere. What do you mean? Oh yeah, it hurts. Right here. Oh, it hurts. Doctor, right here. Look, look, it hurts. Right here. It hurts over here, Doctor. It hurts. Oh, doctor. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Finally, the doctor, the doctor said, no, 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 your fingers are broken. 
It hurts. <laughs> My God. You want to put your from under your fingers, but you know? But the king can live and live long under the rules of every country. Wherever people heard King Pain was there. Long live the king. But once again, according to scripture, and especially in Isaiah 49:23, King Pain is supposed to come and leave more than it takes. That's one of the morsels of the sermon right now. I hope you heard what I said. King Pain is going to come into every household. But when it comes to the house, it's supposed to leave more than it takes. Oh, but it took the call on me to pain. It's supposed to leave more than it takes. Oh, but look at the boy coming back me. It's supposed to leave more than it takes when it's gone. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to come and take. If you use it correctly, King Pain can leave. He's going to take it from you. He is to become a nursing father and bow down to us. He is sent to us now to become an instrument and a tool of edification, not destruction. God sent us to us, by the way, for edification and for destruction. As an instrument, as a tool. Yes, King Payne, sharp, cutting edge of a knife. In other words, King Payne cuts and it's sharp. Like a knife. But instead of coming and twisting only hurt and misery into our hearts, King Pain is now supposed to be used to carve out character, to shape us and cripple us into people of honor and soul. Are you with me? It's supposed to be used of God. Yes, if you're going to go through the hard times. But it's not supposed to be king. It's supposed to be a man. It's going to come and carve out character in your heart and do soul. over there because, you know, they're stoning you. He said, I got up and I went right back in it. And I told King Pain, is that all you can do? Come on! Come on! I'm still standing I'm still here! Someday! It's Saturday! But someday's coming! Is that all you can do? <laughs> For me to do this paradise day, I can't do that the win-win situation. What an equation. Necessarily. Yes, it's true. Pain will come to any and all Christians. None of us are immune. But instead of taking, it's planting. It's planting. It's molding and shaping. Uh, leaving more than it takes. We're growing by this stuff. Don't be a sissy. Christianity. Life is hard. And in Christianity, life is good and hard. But it's not going to be easy. Uh, I mean, every time I walk into these doors and I see your faces, I say, thank the Lord. Because I know you go through some pain. Long sermons. Chisel, chisel, hallelujah. That ain't nothing to do getting so long. Shut up, hombre. Come on, grow up. It's, it's going to leave more than it takes. It takes something to sit there and listen to a sermon like this. But it's going to leave more than it takes. Ah, are you with me? 
He's sown the seeds of pain. We'll grow the harvest of joy and character. Ooh, I like that. The seeds of pain are going to grow a harvest of character in your life. Tears will produce uh, and water the seeds of patience and joy and long-suffering. Fruit, my friend, that will eventually work for us. The sword of King Pain has turned into the plow of hope. The sword of King Pain, the spear of King Pain, has turned into a, a, a tool of experience. That's what you can say like, Paul, oh, is that all? Is that it? Hey, I've heard longer sermons. Ain't nothing but a meatball. I can be that standing on my head. pain that we went through in the world, we now can become loving and enduring, empathetic kind of people, to help people who were once in the same predicament that we were in. We can turn the people from the devil. Being there, done that. I know how to get out of that, bro. Look, here's what you do. Uh, don't leave the home. Don't stay here. Uh, don't, don't, don't listen to the life of the devil. The devil, yes, the devil, bro. Uh, he lied to me too, but I understand that. You turn the tables. Uh, we also now, with a number of us, when once we ran hard for, for ourselves and for the devil, now we can run even harder for God. Pain has come and must now bow down to us. Paul said, hey, three times I prayed that this would be taken from me, but it wasn't. But I used it for the good rather than it using me. Uh, did Paul's pain go away? Is it dreams or something? No! But God turned it around for Paul's good, for Paul's character. Uh, now, how about another thing? On the road of life. Money. Mammon. God gives it a name, Mammon. Uh, Mammon also goes by and messes with us. It comes in and it tries to collide to us. Money! It's a king! It goes by a lot of aliases. Money does. Gold, silver, moolah, money, property, possessions, position, prestige. Whatever the name, every one of us will encounter King Mammon sooner or later on our journey here in the world of life. See, because it's not a question of whether we're rich or whether we're poor. It's going to attack every household. Whether you make $2,000 a month, $3,000 a month, or you're for the GA check. I have so many men leave the home because of SSI. SSI. GA. That's my money. We just had the somebody get the girl. That's my money. I want two hundred seventy dollars of my money. Golly. Um, please, we're serving it rather than it serves us. Money. It's supposed to be a nursing. It's supposed to be kissing our feet. And we're, ooh, oh, I only got money. Some of us only have a smile on the 1st and the 15th. 
because we're servants to money rather than it being our servant. Oh, my God. Let me ask you today. Where is Madeline's position in your life? Is he on the throne or is he kneeling down licking your feet? Are you his victim or are you the victor? Is mammon your master? Is money your master? Or is it your servant? Ask yourself that question. See, regarding mammon or regarding money, we need to understand this, my friend, regarding his rule over us. Mammon is very, very subtle and sneaky. Money has a very hypnotic way about it. Money doesn't push its way around at first. It entices. It allures us. It calls us and it beckons us. Look what you can do with me. You can have power. You can have friends. You can have prestige. Look what you can do with me. It has a way of just getting in there. But it's the wet principle. Once it gets in, all of a sudden, what am I going to do? Oh my God. It's got you. Uh, see, mammon doesn't come look in the gangbusters. He entices us with silk and with power. And pretty soon, we're drunk with greed. We want more. Money, money, money. We want, we want a kingdom. We begin by, by wanting to make money and get the finer things in life. But soon, the finer things you know, become making money. And now money has made us. You become a made man. Because money made you. Uh, see, money creates in us desires that he cannot fulfill. Ooh. There's another nugget. Money doesn't have a way of enticing us. It creates in us desires that it can't be fulfilled. It can't fulfill. Uh, but we think it does. Because we think it's, about, it's tricked us, it's conned us. Mammon gives us temporary thrills, but at the same time, it robs us of eternal joys. That's what it does. It's a cheap thrill, little temporary thrills. Ooh, look what I can do. Ooh, look what I can do. I can go shopping. Ah, uh, are you women to me? Because I like to pop. Ooh, look at what I can do. Ah. Uh, people, we need to understand this. Ooh, money costs too much. That's a big nugget right there. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have you repeat this. Because I want you all to say that. Money costs too much. Ready? One, two, three. It does. It'll mess with you. It'll get you. We end up paying a heavy and a hard price. For what? For a bondage. We're paying it to, to, to shackle us. Uh, to mess with us. See, everybody will eventually run into this mammon money. This is demon. And regarding this, I said, you cannot serve two masters, God and money. See, church, according to scripture and according to, to Christ, our job is to make money serve God. That's what our job is. To make the money serve the Lord. We are not to be able to pay your tithes and, and to give finances to God. And give it freely and not be grudging the rule all. You know, no. Don't be your master. Let it work for the master. See, by the grace of God, King Mammon can become our servant, not us, his servant. Mammon can turn into the, the servant of a soul. He can work for us, not us for him. In Luke 16, 9 that I read, Christ is saying to make money in your friend, not your enemy. Make money your servant, not your king. Let's make sense. They have friends in heaven through finances. In other words, let it become your friend, not your enemy. 
I was going to say something here. Money is your enemy because it makes you do what it wants you to do. You turn around and make it do what you want it to do. I mean, thank God he offered for Daniel when he was this. But money, God's going to tell me, tell me, I'll give more. I just had somebody come and tell me the other day. He was talking to me, and I talked back, and I put it in that basket. I said, here we go. You want to talk to me? <laughs> God used it. And in a church like this, God will always use it. Oh, man, we know what to do. We got so much stuff here that we can use. I'll end it up to them. They're going to have the banquet. They're going to be having the tea bone. They're going to be having extreme uh, 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 service with the march, the third and fourth. And they're having you know, the, the pages, you know, all that stuff. But we got to use money rather than use it. The only thing that's too many worst life on this planet than a greedy, cold miser. There's miser, greedy people, they're cold in a cold life. But on the other hand, I don't think there's a better, more refreshing type than a loving, giving person or a loving, giving church. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Look at my father was most worth giving that. He gave, he gave, he gave. He didn't have money. And then he said, if God was not, ten dollars he would do it. He could. But look what he took with him. He's 73 years old, but he's gone now. But he was a busy man. When he came up here to pitch, we didn't give him money to come up here. He drove himself. He called him an honor. He called him a privilege to preach. That was one of the highest of his life to preach in this country church. But he gave. And then everybody that came in, he gave. All night. Only maybe two have the real father. The rest of them, my dad was their father. And every one of them got behind me like if he was their father. My dad, over here, my dad was over there, but, but honey was my father. He taught me the value of, of, of being a man, of being a woman. Because he was a giving person, giving person. In closing, let's get to what I wanted to get to. Death. In death. This is the king that darkens each and every life, that comes knocking on every door. Death. There is a certain way, a certain manner about death, the way that he conducts himself. And for that, but things leave no room for appeal. You ever try to have an appeal in court? Oh, I want appeal that, 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 you know, that's what it. Well, when death comes, you can't appeal me. You're dead, bro. It's over. I've been moved into your house. Mr. Pineda, there's no appeal. You're a daughter. It seems to have and leave no room for appeal. It's over. Death is so final. No, it's not. It's the beginning. We're only here on imperfection forever. Come on, arithmetic weeks. Figure that one out. We're dealing with factions here. It's a minute fraction. We're just going to make up our minds we're going to spend eternity. That's a long time. But that seems to be so final. It's not. It's a doorway. It's a pathway. Uh, but death comes authoritative. King Death travels everywhere. Uh, and he too, my friend, even knocks on every door. There is no road on which he is not respected. He is quite a mighty king, if you will. But praise God. According to scripture, according to the gospel, according to God, 
even this king of death, must come and bow the knee to any and all Christians. He has no rule over you. If you're born again Christian, he has no domain over you. You belong to the king of kings, the lord of lords, the exclusive authoritative. Uh, the Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, he said, hey, death, you ain't got no strength. The problem in 2 Corinthians 15 is full of quick return to it. 2 Corinthians 15, real quick, as I close. I like this. This ain't got no domain here. Not to a Christian. Not if you don't even speak that. Look at verse 50. Do you have it? I told you about the perfection of God and the kingdom of God. That's why my dad had to put a new body. Nor does the perfection of the imperishable. Listen, I'll tell you a minute. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, from 2.11, the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ shall be changed. For the perfection will expose itself with the perfection and the mortal immortality. When the perfection has been told of the perfection and the mortal immortality, then the sin that is written will come to pass. Death has been what? Followed up in victory. Horrible death is your victory, horrible death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a lot. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what death means, no sting. It means nothing coming. It's only a shadow. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is me. Where's your sting? That's not get through. I thought you were the king. I thought you were the king. triumphant ring. Restaurant in Ventura. I just preached in Oxnard. Let me tell you, let me the Lord. 
from walked in with the powerful lady of the kingdom of God. And and and, and they were already coming out, we walked in. They didn't promote me to this baby in the future was real famous in Christian lady. She didn't know who he worked, but she said, that 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 young man is somebody. Look at the way he walks. I'm gonna go eat, I want good and I'm gonna go eat. Yeah, I'm somebody, you know. But she spotted something. This guy looks like a says, but you brought up into a special plate. But he was by a vehicle named Death, our servant. It's your servant. It's supposed to make him come again, then I just mess with him. Give me two more seconds, Lord. Cross that line. Cross that line. every head bowed and every eye closed. There's only one king. He's the king of kings. Even a lion says it will be our meal of honey. The king of environment, the king of danger, the king of drugs, the king of death. He was a head of my parents, so I want to put some of those with him. This was more of a learning experience. Education experiment and preparation for death. But when you hear experience of pain, from potential, some grip, some bite, they don't think on you and he probably does because you're allowing him to Say, look at the make it, make it, you can make it. But I want to pray this morning for somebody that is struggling. I wanted to serve this prayer for something running. But there's a reason why God said no, it's not. It was the ultimate prayer of this sermon. We got to talk about the Friday. And for a reason, perhaps. Yes, educate, but also bring victory. Every hit is bad. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it.